Let me pray. Father, uh, thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. We pray that you would open it up not only to our minds but to our hearts and wills. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And I'll encourage you to open up to Romans chapter 8 if you haven't already got it open on page 1135. And we're finishing off our series in Romans for now. I want to start by asking you a question. Uh, Do you ever feel like God at various points in your life is punishing you? Uh, Maybe this crosses your mind when you find out you've been recently diagnosed with another illness or you injure yourself. Maybe it's when your children and other family members are suffering and you wonder, has God got it in it for me? I know of a person who thinks that God sometimes plays jokes on them. And I have another friend who just can't catch a break. They've been struggling with depression over many, many years. She's a committed follower of Christ. And you start to wonder, well, how can this be? Maybe we think God is punishing us or has it in for us or is playing tricks on us and these, this especially feels it when we're struggling in times of unemployment, with illness, financial hardship, or when good friends and family die. But in today's passage, I want to show you that when difficult things happen to faithful Christians, this isn't a sign of God playing tricks. It isn't God punishing us for something that we've done. And if you do think like this, I want this morning's passage to bring you great confidence in what God is doing, even in your suffering and hardship. So hopefully you can come away today with a greater assurance and confidence, as Sandy mentioned earlier. But sadly, this optimism about life can only be shared by those who love God. Um, That's what we'll see in today's passage. It's not for all. It's for those who have made a commitment to trust and to live for God. So if you're wanting to be loyal to God, you're wanting to serve him, this is a message for you. And this is really key as we look at this passage because if your disposition is to use God, then when suffering and hardship come, well, of course, You're out of there. But if you're committed to serving Christ, to love him, to serve him, then then hopefully that means you're more willing to endure difficulties. So you can see why this is for people who love God. So before we begin, I want to ask you, do you love God? Good. Are you trusting and wanting to serve Jesus? Well, if that's answer yes, this passage is for you. Actually, all the passages of the Bible are for you. But anyway, this one particularly for you. But it's one for having great confidence. So just recap, and I want to use the words of uh, the great theologian Michael Hickman. He said in Romans 8, the best is yet to come. What a brilliant statement of summary. And that's what we just looked at last week. The best is yet to come. And while we wait, God's Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
And so as we look forward to the best that is yet to come, that glorious future, the new imperishable body and the restored world and universe, where there'll be no sin, no disappointment, how do we live out our lives in the present? And this is what this passage is all about. When your life is hit by trials, when you feel uncertain about whether or not will you get there to that glorious future, will you make it to the best that is yet to come? And this passage hopefully will encourage us. So today I want to show you that Paul encourages all of us to be confident in God's plan and purpose, to be confident that you cannot be condemned if you are in Christ, to be confident despite difficult circumstances, and lastly, to be confident in Christ. And firstly, confident in God's plan and purpose. See, Paul wants these Romans to know that God has got a plan for them. Verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's plan is for you. And this is it, that whatever happens to you in life is no accident. It has been designed for your good. Now, let's be clear. Um, I think you can read this verse and think what it's saying is that Paul is saying, God will just do good things to you. But that's not what it's saying. Let's be clear about that. God's plan for you is that whatever things happen, both good and bad, they are not an accident and they have been designed for your good. Uh, I once got grounded by my parents. Um, you're probably not believing that, but it's true. Um, but probably what is unbelievable is I got grounded when I was at university, which I think, boy, I wasn't that a rebellious kid because I went along with it, right? But um, at the beginning of university, I, um, I didn't do so well in my first semester. And uh, the plan before I went to university was to do this course, um, get good grades, and then transfer to another course. And I got terrible grades, so my parents grounded me for the whole semester in term two. And I went with it. I don't know why I went with it. Okay, I, well, anyway. It meant I missed out on going out at night. I had to stay at home. It sounds really sad and lame. Uh, but at the end of the semester, it was good. Uh, even though it was, ter- like it was terrible being grounded, I managed to get my grades up. I managed to transfer to the course that I wanted. Actually, I don't know if I really wanted to, but my parents were happy with it. And that was a good thing. And so, even though it was not a great situation, it was for my good. I think in life, it's not as simple as that, is it? You know, you go through life and you come under distress and affliction and you, you don't really know how it is for your good. But I want to reassure you that whatever it is, God has got it under his sovereign hand and it is for your good. It is designed in that way. And I think when you go through difficult times, it's good to recall Jesus, to remember Jesus. Um, think about Jesus as he went through incredible suffering. In probably, um, think about how God turned his suffering into resurrection glory. And that, kind of, and that will be the same for us. 
Maybe not on the same scale, but we'll share in that resurrection glory as we go through our own personal suffering because of his suffering. But even um, in our adversity, God will use that for our good. So we can be confident that God has got a plan and he's working it out and he knows what he's doing. But he's got a purpose. It's incredible because it's not a purpose just for today. It's a purpose for eternity. Let's have a look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, I want you to understand that God's purpose for you has been in a, it's been in a, it's kind of a long time in the making. It's been in motion before even when we, ex- where we existed. Um, and that's incredible, isn't it? That's what predestination is, that God had planned a glorious destination for us. And since it's been a long time in the making, do you think God will, will carry it through? Well, I think that's the whole point. Yes, it's been a long time in the making. It cannot be thwarted. Right before the creation, God had purpose for those who loved him that they would become like his precious son, Jesus. And it's not just for some like us, but for many throughout the globe. And he'll bring this about. That's, I think that's what verse 30 is all about. Have a look at verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. See, the fact that God has not just predestined us, but he's called us means he'll get us over the line. He'll get us to that glorious destination. The fact that God isn't just predestined us, but called us to himself by the preaching of the gospel shows us that he won't leave this plan half done. Um, But more than that, he's justified us. Isn't that incredible? Meaning he's pronounced us legally righteous and blameless before him through the cross of Christ. So even that, again, he hasn't done that in half measure. But then we can have even more confidence that God will get us to the destination because not only has predestined us, not only has called us, not only has justified us, but he has glorified us in part and in full when, we will, when, when Jesus Christ comes and we'll share in his glory. But you see that there's also this sense of past tense. We are glorified in Christ already and we anticipate its fullness in the future. God has fixed our destination And he will bring us to that destination. And if you're in Christ, you're secure. Isn't that brilliant? You're secure. And even if the road is bumpy, you'll get there to your destination of being glorified. Isn't that incredible? And so if you love God, you can be confident in God's plan and purpose But if you're feeling particularly vulnerable because of the various trials and tribulations in your life, well, there's still great news for you. Somehow, in all the bad things that may happen to you, God can use it for good. And also, because of God's purpose, he will get you over the line, even if you are vulnerable and you feel it. How good is this? You who God foreknew, who predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, he called you, he's justified you, 
He's glorified you and will complete that. But I know that may be hard to hear, especially if you are struggling at this present time. But Paul knows this as well. He wants to be emphatic about how confident you can be. He wants to make you 100% certain that even in your circumstances now, when you find yourself maybe under uh, accusations, either in your conscience or outside, um, those cannot thwart God's plan and purpose. Um, Maybe you have doubts about whether or not you will get there in the end. Will you get to that glorious future? Maybe there's things you've done in secret, um, really terrible things that you've done. Maybe not many people, maybe nobody knows about it. And you feel like if that ever gets exposed, will that jeopardise my relationship with God? Um, But Paul wants to say that if you're in Christ Jesus, no charge, no condemnation can jeopardise God's plan and purpose for you. So that's the second point. You, you can be confident that you cannot be condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. You cannot be condemned. Isn't that terrific news? Um, there will be times when your sins past, present and even going into the future may be used against you, um, either by others or by Satan himself. There will be times when your behaviour could be used to question whether God has chosen you. But Paul is clear that there is absolutely no charge or no condemnation that will jeopardise this. Let's have a look at these confidence-building verses. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Um, uh, uh, One of the great joys about being an Anglican minister is I get to do weddings. And uh, one of the the moments in the wedding service I like, um, it's second in, in in my top ten list of things I like about weddings. No, I don't know. I don't actually have a top ten. Don't worry. Um, the, is, uh, first of all, the vows. How precious are the vows? But second of all, it's this. Um, when we um, do the preface for the wedding, I then say, is there any reason why this couple may not lawfully be married? You speak now or hereafter remain in silence. And so you've got this. Will anyone speak? And thankfully, actually, no one has spoken. So I'm really glad about that. But I wonder if, in some ways, Christ is our husband. We stand with him. And I wonder if that were to be asked, whether or not in your mind, would there be something that would pop up of why maybe you, you two shouldn't be together? Maybe something you've done in the past. Uh, you know, it could be as, as worse. Could be, you know, maybe it's a, it's been an abortion, or maybe it's something you've done which has ripped through your family. Well, Paul says in these verses that if God has chosen you, if He's justified you, you cannot be condemned, regardless of how terrible 
what you have done. Isn't that so comforting? In fact, it's much stronger than that. If you're trusting in Christ, no one can condemn you. No one can bring a charge against you. If Satan were to say, but hey, 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 look, I don't think you and Jesus can get to... I don't think that can, this relationship will work. Think about the sins you've done. You can turn to him. You can admit you've done those things. You can say um, you've admitted to doing even maybe worse things. But you can also say that in Christ Jesus, he has died for you. He has paid your sins in its complete fullness, perfect satisfaction. He defends you. That's what um, Paul is so happy to say that more than that, he's been raised to life and is at the right hand of, the, of our Father defending you. And so whatever it is, there's no charge, no condemnation. Um, here are some words that, uh, of someone who reflects on this passage um, but has struggled with eating disorders. And, and how, I, want to, I want you to see how it sort of applies to them. This is what she writes. In the light of the fridge and the debris of your binge, you are not condemned. When you've got your fingers down your throat and you're weeping in despair, you are not condemned. When you've cut yourself again, though you swore you never would, you are not condemned. Before the lies have left your lips, though you're spitting in anger and there's murder in your heart, you are not condemned. When you're cold and faithless, and feel a million miles from God, you are not condemned. When you're too crushed to lift your head and you feel you can't go on, you are not condemned. When you've been used and abused and when you're naked and exposed and every man cries shame, you are not condemned. When the past accuses and the present threatens and you feel there is no future, you are not condemned. What a terrific message this is. No matter how terrible or how damaging of things that you've done in the past or even now or in the future, you will not be condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. If you love God and trust him. And that's so terrific. So Paul reassures us to see that any accusations won't stick in Christ Jesus. We're united to him. And he also will go on to say that we can be confident despite our difficult circumstances. And that's point three, um, being confident despite difficult circumstances. We've talked about how God's plan and purpose, we can be confident in that, we'll get to the destination. But sometimes the bumps in the road along the journey can fill and cause us to sort of derail or go off course of our Christian lives. And Paul wants us to know that even if there's bumps on the road, minor or major, it will never run you off the course of the love of Christ. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? None of these bumps in the road will separate you from the love of Christ. Another preacher says, there is nothing that can break your union with Jesus. Not death, nor anything that happens in life, not an angel, not demons, not even Satan himself. Nothing in your present, nothing in your future, not any power in heaven or in hell or on earth. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope that's clear. 
Um, can I say it again? Nothing. 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 Do you believe that? I hope you do. I, I really do hope you do. If you don't, talk to someone because these are the words that ring true. Nothing. But I think sometimes um, we can go wrong, can't we, when we think that all these terrible things are happening because we haven't been faithful Christians. We've failed God in different ways. But um, that's why Paul quotes what he does in verse 36. Have a look. Um, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, at first, um, it might seem a bit, what's he going on there? Well, he's actually quoting Psalm 44. And it's a psalm of complaint to God in the midst of suffering. Um, but the suffering is a result of unfaithfulness, um, which you would be led to think. It's actually um, despite the fact that actually Israel had been faithful they're still suffering. Which means that for God's people, um, suffering gets taken up into God's purposes. And that's why Paul can say that we can't be separated from the love of Jesus. Uh, uh, Even in our faithfulness, we will suffer, and even in our unfaithfulness. So even if we face difficult circumstances, we can be confident it won't jeopardise Christ's love for us. Well, Let's conclude point four, confident in Christ. Um, Verse 37. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul finishes off saying to be confident in Christ. And in Christ, you are more than conquerors. Not because of you. I hate to say it. Well, actually, I do. I'm glad to say it. It's not because of you that you're a conqueror. It's through him. Isn't that beautiful? It's not in and of yourself that you can defeat the condemnation. You can answer accusations because in some sense you'll say, yes, they are true. Um, It's only in Christ where you'll say, but actually that's no longer true. I've been forgiven. I have no guilt. Um, it's, It's not in and of yourself that when we hit the bumps in the road that you can rise above those circumstances. Um, No, it's in Christ that we can defeat our condemnation. It's in Christ that he has brought us the victory over the powers and the principalities of this world and over death and anything else. And it's only through the cross and resurrection that Jesus has brought you the love of God. And it's through the death and resurrection that God reaches out for you and takes a hold of you and doesn't let you go. And so we can confidently say through the cross of Christ that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So what a wonderful thing to to draw our confidence from. What a wonderful thing to celebrate that we have great security in Christ. But if you are not a believer, if you're not a lover of God, then you do not have this security. You cannot live optimistically about your difficulties in life. Um, I want us to see that um, it's only in Christ Jesus that it actually makes sense of our difficulties and pain. And it gives them a context in which God's plan and purposes can be fulfilled. And so if you're not a believer, I 
implore you to turn to Christ. Embrace um, the great confidence that you can have um, and the great delight of being a child of God. But for us who love God, can you see no matter how deep your fears are or how worried you may be or how guilty you feel, I mean, the words of Tim Keller, he says this, Consider that the great God of heaven has set his love upon you in the depths of eternity, before time, and is now infallibly working out his plan to live with you forever in his family. Um, At the beginning of our time today, I asked whether or not you felt there were times in your life where you thought maybe God was punishing you, whether you thought God might be having it in for you or whether he'd be playing tricks or jokes on you. Uh, Hopefully you've been convinced by God's word that that couldn't be further from the truth. If you're in Christ, you're secure in God's plans and purposes and secure in his love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this glorious future that we have in Christ, but also that we have um, the great confidence and assurance of being able to push on, knowing that you will get us to our destination. Lord, may we continue to grow in our love for you. May we continue to grow trusting you. And may we continue to grow in service of you. And we thank you for this great assurance and confidence in Christ. Amen.